Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today. Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith, and I'm joined by James. And today we have a special guest all the way from Huntington Beach, California, which is an iconic surfer place in California. His name is Jeff Guype. Jeff pastors in Huntington Beach. As well, he uh, is a professor at Calvary Chapel Bible College way out in the desert in Marietta, California. So we're excited to have Jeff. Jeff, welcome today. Well, thank you. So glad to be here. Tell us about yourself. Just give us a little snapshot about your life, your family, all that kind of thing. Well, I've been... um part of Calvary Chapel since 1991. I was born again there. Oh, cool. And uh, went to school of ministry there um, in 1992 and then served uh, at the church for many years as a high school counselor. And then the most pretty, uh, the best job I ever had was the surf coach at Calvary Chapel. Oh, high cool. Yes. And so it was a great time for five years. I had made 40 to 50 kids at the beach and we'd surf every morning before school and from that we went to Brazil and Mexico and all over surfing and ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's really cool. And uh, then after that we planted a church in 2005 in Newport Beach, California. Oh cool. So is that the church you're at now in Newport Beach? We just moved to Huntington Beach. Boy, two months ago. Okay. So it's brand new. Okay. Yeah. And my son and I are co-pastoring. Oh, cool. That's right. really neat. Yeah. You don't see that often where a father and son get to co-pastor. Yeah. I think it's becoming more seen than any other time. I have some friends that are doing it. It's kind oh, of that's, a beautiful. That's really beautiful. Know, in First John, it says there's no greater joy than seeing your children walk in truth. And Absolutely. It's, it's definitely that way. So James, there's a future with you and Roman. <laughs> we'll see what God does. Well, I'm going to kick us off today, Jeff and James, by reading Revelation 4, 1 through 4. Um, we're, we're jumping in at this point to the future. So with that being said, let's jump into the future and think about the future and look at John's vision as we kind of ended the present term in his day. So Revelation 4, 1 through 4. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Well read. Thanks. Welcome, James. Um, I actually get feedback and comments through Instagram about who is that guy that you do this podcast with? Who's the main guy? He reads very well. He said, oh, I like to listen to him. Truth. Well, I, I get no. my inspiration from the picture on my desk, so that's where I... Very good. Who's, the, who, who's in the pictures in your desk? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. Who's the... Who, who, what? Oh my gosh, what am I talking about? Of whom do you have pictures on your desk? Well, I was just kind of joking. Do you have a desk? You're like man about town. I do have a desk, but the thing is I don't. I'm pretty minimalist. Yeah, I just have a computer. and you're pretty mobile. Yeah, I'm pretty mobile. Yeah, you are. Keep it mobile. So tell us, James, about Metatauta. Like, what's what's happening? What's? Here we yeah, go. I think you've said a couple of times, Keith, that 
Revelation's broken up into three broader sections, like the past, the present, at the time that John was being revealed to and writing about it, and then he has this vision of a. It gets the heavenly perspective on like the future of stuff, and you know, I've always been taught and told that the start of chapter four is the start of the time when we start to look. I think we've said a couple of times that the Bible is not written in modern contemporary English or like, you know, everyday vernacular. And it was written in Greek. This part of the Bible was written in Greek. And there's a, a phrase in there that really implies that like after all these things, and like you described it as we're kind of changing gears and we're now looking forward. And we're getting this heavenly perspective on the things that are to come. And I think this is the, the start of the part of Revelation that's full of symbols and uh, types and previews and and stuff and you got to remember that here's John a regular guy trying to describe this heavenly stuff with 2,000 year old Greek vocabulary so from now until the end we're going to read a lot of stuff like he who sat there had the appearance of or this rainbow had the appearance of, or something was like this, or as that. And I think, I don't know what you'd say, both. But I think that's where people get a little bit lost in Revelation. Right. They get so bogged down in the symbols and what do they mean. And, you know, but it's like the, the church, our church logo. Just looking around, I can't see one anywhere, actually. But you look at our church logo and it's quite striking. It's black and white. There's a, a cross kind of superimposed onto a Bible. So it tells people what we're interested in and what we believe in and what we stand for. We keep the cross of Christ central to all we do. And it's on the, the word of God that we're kind of built and platformed and foundationed. But the church logo, as striking as 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 cool as it might be, is never going to be greater than the reality of being part of that church and that right. group of people, is it? So hopefully that's the attitude that we're going to take and that people take when they read Revelation, that it, all this stuff is great, but it points to something right. that's even greater. I've yeah. read, James, that, uh, and, and maybe we can get Jeff's take on this, that, I mean, as John was standing there in this, you know, revelation that he was receiving, there's no words to describe the glory of God. I believe in First Timothy, there's a, a, a verse, and a man, I don't have it here ready, but I just came to my head, that uh, God is kind of indescribable. There's a song, God is indescribable, Chris Tomlin. But as, as John's standing there, he's just trying to run through his mind to describe it in any way he can. And so you think of the most precious things you can, but that's the glory of God. And so that's kind of a cool, exciting thing. Jeff, how about you? I mean, as far as the symbols and describing as far as John standing there? Yeah, I think the, the thing I like most about the book of Revelation is that it's so well written. The, uh, the imagery is just amazing. And much of it is literal. Mm -hmm. But then being that it's symbolic, it's figurative. Right. And really understanding uh, the differences of those. And when I read the book of Joel or Daniel, you know, I see similar things. Right. They're, they're seeing things that are just indescribable right. in human terms because they're things that they hadn't seen before. They're trying to describe them as human terms and things they hadn't seen before. Right, right. And so just the imagery of um, John being caught up in the spirit and seeing a door open to heaven 
to me is just mind blowing because of course the first thing that comes to my mind is in Isaiah, you know, holy, 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 you know, Isaiah cries out. Yeah. I see the Lord high and lifted up in his, his robe, uh, was, you know, through the sanctuary, just a beautiful picture right. of that. Um, and so, um, looking at these things from the old Testament view is very helpful because we see that it's, um, all the way through both the old and the new Testament. Right. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's great. So James, let me ask you a question. As I was reading this, I was really sorry. I said, James, I meant Jeff. I was looking right at him and I said, James, we look a lot alike. Yeah. You guys look strikingly similar. We got to post some pictures of you guys so that people can see the similarity. Yeah. It's amazing because I'm, you know, 30 years older, but we look the same. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So yeah, when I was reading this, I, I thought of something and I mean, you're a professor teaching this, so maybe you could, uh, you know, I'm, I'm up for negotiation, obviously, with my thoughts, because I don't, I'm, I'm not, have all knowledge here, but when I was reading this, I immediately had this word anticipation jump in my mind, and I kind of think about anticipation, like, you know, I, I remember when Roman was running this race, I think it was last year, or, or whenever, and the anticipation building up to that, or if you're doing a triathlon, a mini triathlon, or whatever, the anticipation you know, kind of live with this thing every day and it's exciting. I think of the emotion excitement when I think about anticipation, like a wedding or whatever. Um, but, but when I look at this, I kind of think, man, there should be some excitement in the lives of believers as we anticipate these future events because they've not yet occurred. It'd be very obvious if they did occur. And so to live in anticipation, as I was thinking about this, it kind of said, wow, I should be more worshipful in a sense, you know, as you pray to God and you kind of praise him when you open your prayer, it's, it's anticipating his glory being known. And so I don't know if you kind of picked up on that theme or you've thought about that theme or, and, and just the idea of anticipation. Yeah. I, I've often tried to put myself in John's position. You know, here he is. He's, you said the word worship. I mean, he's literally in heaven worshiping. And I think that's why, um, it's the book of revelation is a book that promises blessing, right? You know, so many times people are afraid of reading the book of revelation because of what is coming forth after these things. Right. But, um, what other philosophy in life or what other thought in life gives you the end story, the end of the story and to see all these things come to fruition is very exciting. I'm not panicking over the fact that, um, things are happening in the world. Because the Bible tells me these are things that are going to be happening. And what that tells me is that's the soon return of Jesus Christ. And to me, there's nothing more exciting. And I love the analogy that you used of sports, because when you think about training for a triathlon, I mean, you're, you're training, training every day for long periods of time. And then it's finally that day comes and whether you win or lose, doesn't matter. Yeah. You finished. Yeah. And um, so I, I see that similarity. What about like a surf competition? I mean, people do a lot of training for that, right? You got to spend a lot of early mornings in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Surfing is different um, because it never feels like training. <laughs> when you're training for a triathlon, I mean, you're running and, you know, surfing, you just get out and surf. And so 
it might be a better analogy in the sense that um, you're enjoying it. Right. If it's flat or if it's good or if it's cold or it's warm, most surfers just love paddling out, being in right. the water, enjoying it. And, um, and so, but you are, you're continually paddling or moving in preparation for when the wave does come or right. the competition does come. So that's great. Yeah, it is. It's joyful, you know, yeah. and, and to think that God said these things and they're coming to pass just as he said to me, that's great anticipation of the coming of the Lord. And I think it, um, it could, it should cause us to keep our eyes focused on him. You know, James and I, uh, Jeff, to get your take on this too, we've, we've kind of talked about not only does this tell us the rest of the story, but the Bible is constantly authenticated as a book. And today people follow so many different ideologies that are not authenticated, you know, whether it's a religious system, whether it's just like the local culture, people are thinking in terms of things that aren't really proven, but they put a lot of faith in that stuff. But this book you know, all throughout it, James and I are constantly looking back at Ezekiel or Daniel or different books that kind of authenticate this book that are written, you know, four or five hundred, a thousand years earlier with a different person, different time, different culture that kind of authenticates it. So we've kind of pulled out from that, that not only is this tell the future, but in addition, it's like the most authenticated book of all time. I mean, what other book has that kind of verification process? Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I believe that the book of Daniel needs to be read and understood to totally grasp everything that's happening in Revelation. That's great. You know, it's just it's just a beautiful picture from the timing of the Antichrist. You know, all of those different things are just imagined so beautifully. Right. That's cool. That's cool. Well, James, uh, as we move on, we've talked about symbols. We've talked about anticipation. Um, what else? Uh, I know that you wrote a blog post on this, and it was pretty detailed on this first little tiny section as we introduce James, uh, sorry, James, John saying the glory of God. I get my J names right today. <laughs> yeah, James, Jeff, and John. Right. Yeah. A lot of J's. But as we look at John seeing the glory of God as he was on that island and he, you know, was taken up there in his, in his vision, um, what else did you pull out of this, James, as you, as you read through this? I think the biggest thing was the, the symbols. And so you said he's in heaven and he's worshiping and he's, he's there in the presence of God. And then there's the first kind of symbol. And we read, he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. So what is Carnelian? Do you know that? Have you ever Googled precious that? Precious stone. Tisardis. I think it's another name for it, right? I'm trying to remember. Like, I mean, do you see those in the jewelry stores today or... Uh, I don't often spend much time in, uh, in, in jewelry <laughs> stores. Let me just ask Professor Google. Is is, is your wife not dragging you over saying I want It's a, a brownish-red mineral commonly used as a semi-precious gemstone. Wow. So it's a, a nice shiny red and brownie stone. But again, so that's going to be a symbol because God is not a giant semi-precious stone right. uh, sitting on a throne, is he? So... It's just it's just radiating this glory, and much later on in the book, there's a a bit where we're talking about New Jerusalem, and John rattles off these all these precious stones that he sees in there. So this stone and that stone and the other stone, and when you get into it, you would think that there would it would be stones that we would hold precious, like diamonds or things like gold or 
stuff like that. And as I wrote, as I wrote through Revelation last year, somebody sent me a video of a bit of a, a, a brain box professor talking through these stones and there's something how when light goes into diamonds, what comes out the other side is all rubbish and black and not that great on a micro- microscopic level. Okay. Not like with our eyes. But when you put light, pure light, through all these stones that you see in Revelation and associated with the presence of God and this new Jerusalem that comes down, when pure light goes through them, they become even more beautiful, like a kaleidoscope hmm. kind of thing. And John wouldn't have known that 2,000 years ago because he didn't have the, the science lab pure beam of light to test these things with. So again, it's God is not a, a giant Jasper and Carnelian mix of stone, but again, it's the, it's the symbols for just the, his, the radiance of his glory. Right. And again, around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. So it's just this, this glory that's surrounding the presence of God. So yeah, that's probably the biggest thing from these first few verses that we're starting to get into this part of the book where like Jeff said, we take it lit- literally. So he, he literally saw something that looked like a rainbow and he saw lit- something that literally looked like these stones, but we know that God is not a giant Jasper or Carnelian stone. So it's it's just a way to talk about heavenly realities with earthly vocabulary. You know, James, it may be similar in the book of Isaiah uh, where uh, there is a description of the garden of God. Is that Isaiah or Ezekiel? Ezekiel, so sorry. The Garden of God, and it describes these precious stones as well. Mm. But I think the point of the Garden of Eden was that there was fellowship with God. There was direct connection between man and God, and that was broken with sin and can be restored through knowing Jesus as your Savior. So it's interesting here. I think the point is the glory of God. I mean, as you said, and Jeff mentioned, like you can get hung up and like, Really, and there are scientists that it's good for them to really study this stuff. I mean, I know I'm not scientific, but I didn't even know what a carnelian was. But if it's good to know that the point is the glory of God. Man, we're, we're witnessing. So, you know, today when we're in our churches and we sing the Revelation song, that probably dates me a little bit. It's a few years old song, but it's a powerful message of witnessing the glory of God and then living with that in mind so that you handle your issues during the week, not by your own mental capacity, which mine is pretty corrupted most of the time, but living in light of the glory of God and letting him shine through you and, and you being an ambassador. Mm. Kind of like if, you, if you stopped after verse two, at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seat on the throne. And if you stopped and he didn't give us any details, like you said, John is in heaven at standing at the throne of God. And he throws out some details and tries to describe what he's looking at. Right. But he it was in the spirit and he's a throne and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one. And he's there. He's in heaven standing in front of the throne of God. And sometimes the symbols and all these different descriptions can take your mind away from the fact that John was taken in the spirit to be in heaven standing at the throne of God, which is quite a cool thing. Yeah, that is cool. So, uh, before we end the podcast today, I would love to ask a few questions to Professor Jeff here from the Bible College. Jeff, have you have you taught through the Book of Revelation in the Bible? Is there a course 
Revelation or things to come or something like that that you've taught through? I'm actually currently teaching through the book oh, of Revelation. Neat. Yeah, we are. I think I just finished chapter 16 last week. Oh, cool. And so we're, yeah, and it's three hours a three-hour class. And okay. It's been awesome. So is it so like it's like a shorter term, but each cor- each peer class time is three-hour meeting. Correct. Yeah. So it's fourteen classes at three hours each. That's and cool. It's part of their curriculum. Can there. people take that online, or is that only a live face-to-face class? That's a. You can get it. I believe you can get it online. I'm not. I don't know how to answer that. Um, it is for college chapel or excuse me calvary chapel bible college students okay so it's they put it online on popularly for the students okay cool so i'm I'm not certain that the public can get it i didn't know if there was anybody listening that may uh i mean who knows where this might go and somebody might say hey i'd love to take that class or whatever i just thought there was a way to do it yeah so probably Chapel bible college marietta um and checked online they they might be able to cool yeah so you mentioned a theme uh which I think is a great theme, blessings in the book of Revelation. What other kind of overarching themes uh, would you see in the book of Revelation? And the second part of the question is, as we're starting, you know, we've talked about the past, we've talked about the present with John and the churches, the seven churches, and we spent seven episodes, eight episodes actually, on that topic, uh, each one per church. As we move into things to come, uh, what would you say are like some big themes or things to watch out for as we James and I kind of journey through that. Well, now that you're getting into chapter four and five, you're still kind of caught up in the, the heavenlies. Um, but then when you get to God's wrath being poured out on the earth, um, you can come to those places of being quite discouraged. Like, wow, all these things are going to happen. But I think the thing for me that makes the book of Revelation the biggest blessing of all is the realization that um, the people that are going through the tribulation period are people that have chosen to reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Mm. You know, they're people that have really chosen, um, that's the route that they want to go, with the exception of the 144,000 witnesses and and all of those things that um, you'll be coming across. And realizing that, um, you know, we talk about these days of having this great revival, and all of us want a great revival. We want to see those things happening. Right. But the greatest revival of all history is yet to come, and it's mm. during the tribulation. Wow. And I think it's the thing that, it's the biggest blessing about the, um, the book of Revelation is God's mercy. Even though it's a Christ-rejecting world, um, God's mercy is extended and his grace is extended to those that have chosen not to walk with them mm. time and time again. Mm. And so we see that part of God's character of wanting to have fellowship with man from the book of Genesis right at the very beginning, as you had mentioned with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, they, they, at the fall, they were separated from God. And then God, by um, just a great desire and love for mankind, gave them opportunities to be reconciled to them, Hmm. you know, first uh, maybe with sacrifice at the altar and then through the tabernacle and then the temple and through the law and now through Jesus, all of these things were for the sole purpose of reconciliation Hmm. with him, you know, to be in fellowship with him. And that continues all the way through the book of Revelation. Hmm. And so it's a big blessing to know that our big God loves and cares for us that much. I've heard it said uh, several times that we are created in the image of God and our ultimate uh, fulfillment comes from worshiping God. Would you agree with that uh, assumption as we read through the book of Revelation? 
Do you see that? 100%. You know, I um, mean, as human beings, not just believers, but, you know, everybody. Yeah. When I think about the Garden of Eden, you know, here we in the Garden of Eden had every kind of plant life that you can imagine, every kind of fruit, every kind of tree. Um, you see the rivers coming through it. And then you also see a description of the, the gold and the stones that are in the rivers and all of that. So in my mind, I'm picturing that as a heavenly place. Hmm. And I picture Adam and Eve walking through the cool of the evening hand in hand in fellowship or worshiping God. Hmm. You know, um, that's how God intended or his desire was that that's what he would have with mankind. And so I see that same sort of thing in the book of Revelation is bringing us that place of true worship. There's a Hebrew idiom for the word worship means to fall on your face oh, wow. and then to raise up and throw kisses to God. Oh, wow. And so that's where John is. He's mm. in that place of total worship. And, and that's where Adam and Eve were. And that's where God wants us to be. That's great. What a great word to end on. I know that James is motioning we're out of time because you've got a tour here uh, to take. <laughs> we have more coffee to drink. Yeah, we have more coffee. No, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm being cognizant and noticing the time because James said what time we've got to end today. But Jeff, we want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Immerse podcast. And uh, I know that people can kind of check you out online and maybe visit the uh, Calvary Church Huntington Beach online and hear some of your sermons and kind of get blessed by your teaching and james thanks for uh, meeting again and we look forward to seeing everyone on the next immersed podcast